Hi, I'm Janet. After years of trying to figure out the film industry, making some gains, only to see them dwindling away, I finally got my shit together and I made $85,000 my first year in the film industry in Los Angeles. Creating a career in film does not need to be a struggle. You can start in your city. I want to teach you my process and teach you how to do it. You'll see that you really can live that extraordinary film lifestyle that only the film industry can provide. Let's go. Film industry, very real, very huge, very happening. In your life today, you don't see maybe a whole lot of examples of film shoots unless you're in a place like downtown Los Angeles, which one of our people that just joined us is there and is like drives down the streets like there's a film crew, there's a film crew. It's like, I want to be a part of that. And this is exactly what you're, you're going to use to become a part of that, to get ready for that, to transition from where you are today into like, I'm on set. I know what to do on set. Um, I, I can work with these people on set. I can move into these crafts and get these jobs and get these opportunities over other people. The first thing I want to tell you for sure is that this, that it is so real. The business is so massive. This program, how it's teaching you, because I just think I need to remind you sometimes that what this does, it gets you thinking in exactly the way that professionals are like, I like you. It gets you doing the things that make people go, oh, you're, you're good. Because it's not like what you put on your resume because we don't send resumes around to get in the, in the business. It's not like what you even say. It's kind of like what they decide to think about you. See, that's the crazy thing about it, but that's the whole way the world works. It's never really what you say. It's always about the impressions that you're making with other people. And in the film industry, there's so much that we don't know and that we don't understand because we haven't been exposed to it before. So therefore, we don't really know exactly how to say or what to do or how to be or how to show this stuff. And that's what you're using this program for. So as you guys know, you start off with your 20 shoots. Some of these are going to be free shoots. It's perfect. You know why? You'll be like, oh, I'm not making the money. It doesn't matter. You don't want to make the money. You don't want to be on Netflix sets yet because once you get on there, it's like you are making impressions all the time. And they're either like yes or no. In their minds, they're not thinking too much about you, but it's mostly like yes or no. So you want to be totally ready by the time you're on those sets. On the free sets is where you build your confidence. You build your understanding. You build your knowing what to do so that you're not standing there and set going, oh, you know, I don't know, should I just feeling that uns looking uncertain, not knowing what to do, not knowing where the camera carton is, not knowing what the VTR cart is, not knowing the difference between the grip cart and a lighting cart and electrician and a grip. Like you might know, but you have to, to see who they are and know what they do so you can just spot them out. Oh, that's grip, that's electrician. And knowing when you talk to that person, what you would ask, what's appropriate, what you need. So there's little things like this. So the free shoots get you kind of getting it, understanding, knowing that, you know, people are busy. They're not like, they're not stuck up. I used to think that everybody was stuck up. They're not stuck up. They're just focused and it's a different environment than making a living in an office where, you know, if you stand there and talk for an extra five minutes, it doesn't really matter if you get your job done. It's okay. You know, you, it's about producing, but on a film set, it's like every single minute counts. And what's so weird about it is that you'll see people that are like, they look like they have all the time in the freaking world. So you're like, well, that's pretty laid back. I guess I can talk about stuff. But then 
that's, that's not the case because every minute counts. It's very different than what it seems. I had to fix my camera there. So um, it's like you're always, you're having these laid back conversations, but you're, you're, you're having laid back conversations while you have your other ear open for when you might be needed. Always. You are never having a relaxed conversation focusing on one person. You always have one ear open. And if you're in mid-sentence and you're like, uh, and then you hear something, you don't even finish that sentence. You go. And you also notice if somebody comes up behind you, you're noticing that because it might be the producer that wants something. You don't want them to have to tap you on the shoulder to get you out of a conversation where you're talking about music. You can totally talk about music, but you just want to be super freaking alert. See all these little tiny things, these connections in our brain need to occur on the free shoots. Then when we get on the professional shoots, now we're ready to fucking go. So that's why we do the free, sh the free shoots. Free shoots first. Also, <laughs> you're just gonna make mistakes. Even with me helping you, even with this whole program, even with everything, you know, you're still just gonna make mistakes, but that's fine because, you know, that's how you learn. Or you make a major mistake. I mean, I've made major, major fucking mistakes. A major mistake would be, so just so you know, the category of a major fucking mistake is when you don't roll. <laughs> Yeah, um, that you miss something, you don't roll, um, and then uh, that's a major mistake, or you erase a bunch of footage, <laughs> requiring reshoot. You know this has happened. You know who it happened to, Gorn. Did you guys see Gorn on that? You probably don't know Gorn. Is he's from way back? Oh, love Gorn. Yeah, he was here for the A-List Mastermind event, which was now two weeks ago. And he came, he's, an, he's a mentor. He came over, he stayed overnight. Mentors can stay overnight. And um, one of his biggest mistakes, and I'll tell you it now, just so you can compare your mistakes that you're going to make to this one. <laughs> it's kind of good, right? So um, he was like working in, in camera, working as a first AC, working as a second AC. When he worked as a PA, and this was probably maybe six months into the program. So he works, so he starts getting out of free sets. I remember he's like, bathroom, let me at it. Let me clean that. Need new toilet paper? I'm on it. Need stuff brought up those stairs? I'm on it. And he's just like impressing everybody and just like run, working his ass off. And people are like, I love this guy. I love this guy. Plus he's also very, I don't know. He's just very, he loves people and he's very effervescent kind of like. So, um, and so they call him for PA jobs and he's like, this is once he had gotten some experience. So he'd be like, and you can take, you can borrow this. He'd be like, Hey guys, they're like, hey, we, the rate's $100 a day. And he's like, hey, guys, my rate is $400, and I do the work of two production assistants. And they'd be like, uh, okay, uh, you available next week? They would pay it. This is in New York City. Doesn't always happen. Uh, you want to be pretty confident by the time you start saying that stuff. Uh, usually, you just want to take the rate. Because with rates, usually there's not a whole lot of wiggle room, although sometimes there is. Because there's another time that his rate, they're like, hey, are you available for this shoot? You've been recommended. And he's like, they're like, what's your rate? Now, the rate for um, Focus Puller is normally like 650 for 12 or maybe 800 for 12 in New York City. He's like, $2,000. And they're like, oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Okay, well, <laughs> they just, they paid it. Unbelievable. For a day rate, $2,000. They're like, okay. 
I'm like, I can't believe that. He's like, and he's like, they said yes so fast. I should have asked for more. I'm like, see, these things happen. They think these things happen. I mean, um, it's just kind of good to know. I love for you to know these little details. You're like, oh, this is the way the industry is. It's not like it's like this hard to get into thing. It's like a bunch of shoots and a bunch of people that you get on their lists and you get to know people and they start to refer you and they're like, I love this person. That's why he was able to do that day rate because the DP was hired on the shoot and they're like, I love this guy. I've worked with him before, let's get him. And they're like, okay, their job is to get him. What's your rate? $2,000, uh, okay, they did it. So he was working in camera, working in camera. I don't know when this mistake happened, where, where along the, the process it, it happened, but he got a job, they, they said, hey, can you do DIT job? Otherwise, really it was data wrangling because with DIT you're doing coloring, you're using DaVinci and you're syncing up and it's, it's a whole bigger job than data wrangling. Data wrangling is where you're taking the data from the camera and you're dumping it onto hard drives, multiple hard drives to spread it out to make sure that that shit is never erased. So then they have it, they're gonna send that all over the place to get edited. So the production company will keep one, another one will go to the editor, and another one will go with somebody, the agency. So they always have all the footage that was shot on that day. So as soon as something is shot with the camera, the AC, it's not the DIT, the AC puts a piece of tape showing that what's on the camera is a fresh mag, meaning, you know, magazine, that's a film mag. We call it a mag even though it's media. So it's like a fresh mag or a fresh uh, um, uh, card, <laughs> a fresh media card, meaning that it's erased and they can start shooting on it. Okay. And then when, then you take it off and you dump it, another industry term, uh, with the DIT, the DIT dumps it onto the hard drives. So it has a computer and dumps it on all the hard drives and then takes that, puts another piece of tape on it so that now they know that it's erased and it's already dumped. Somehow in this process for, for Gorin, doing this brand new job he's never done before, either the media did not get to him and it got erased somehow. I don't know how. I don't know how it could get erased without it going through him, you know, because he's the only one that's erasing it. Nobody else has that computer has a computer that's doing that job, or maybe the, the um, chip just got put in a pocket and just never given to him. Nobody knows, we don't know, but the fact is is that that's kind of his job is to know the chips that they're using, know them, look at them, have them numbered. He needed to know this job. He needed to know this job before he took the job. So he's getting paid six fifty for 12 to do this job, but he'd never done this job before. And he just said, yes, figuring he would learn on the job. Yeah. They lost like the whole morning of footage they had shot on this one card. And so he's like, so he does the job and he's like feeling really good about it. He goes home and this is a phone call you never want. And it's like the producer who is like, everybody was super nice, you know, and, um, these are people that he knew and had relationships with and, the producer's like, hey, we're missing some footage. And he's like, okay, I gotta be careful from the Janet's training not to blame anybody and take responsibility for this. So he's like, okay, no problem, I'm on it. I'm gonna figure this out and find this footage. And they're like, okay, sounds good. 
So then he gets on the phone. He calls the camera house and he's like, can you find the chips that we were using? Can you find the camera? Somehow they're raiders got this. What the, you know, everything got erased. What can we do? And turns out, you know, it's very difficult at this point. It's been back. I mean, the car has been erased, whatever. And um, he, so he calls back. He's like, it's my responsibility. And what he thinks is that somebody else didn't give the card. But he didn't say that, which was a good thing to say, because they know that there's multiple scenarios. Um, but, so what he said is, I take full responsibility for it. Um, I'm this is really, really unfortunate this happened, and um, I apologize tremendously for it. My job to do this, to make sure that all the footage was received, and um, yes, this mistake, it's on me. Now, that's the right thing to do, even when it is not your fault unless you know specifically that somebody else did it which he didn't and um then you would still take responsibility and maybe add that as a piece of information but you still take responsibility for it. you must say that you know why you might you just must because what it does is it it lets them relax about you if you say um it's not my fault or somebody else or I got too busy or there was too much happening or whatever, then they're like, uh, uh, no, 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 no. They cannot relax about you because you didn't take responsibility. It's not done and over. It's like you fucking didn't take responsibility. Does that make sense? Film sets, it's a real big deal. So, every th so when you take responsibility, it allows people to move on. So then he comes onto a call uh, this was, you know, a couple of years ago. And um, he's like, yeah, they were so nice. It was not a big deal. And I'm like, Gorn, let me just tell you, that is the biggest fucking deal. <laughs> I know you want to make it relax in your head and make it all kind of like, okay, it wasn't that big of a deal in your head so that you can move on from it yourself and not, you know, feel that pain. But I just want you to know uh, that was the biggest deal. You're supposed to allow yourself to feel that pain, the disappointment, the fear, you allow it, let it, and you breathe through it instead of fighting it and telling yourself a different story so that you can buffer against it. Because what happens when you do that, when you try to like um, avoid it or deflect it or change the story so you don't feel it, it's still fucking there. It's just in the unconscious, yeah. You're, and then when it comes back again in your mind, which it probably will because it's a big fucking deal, you do it again. I feel shame about this. This is shame. This is disappointment. This is anger. This is fear. And you breathe through it. The more you go through life in the film industry, the bigger things that you're going to experience, the bigger problems, the more money, the bigger personalities, the more everything. Although I will say, when you start off in the business, you come across more people with the big egos that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You'll, you'll see. And it's usually like the brand new student filmmakers that are just starting to get in the business and this is the way it should be. But I also remember kind of being like that too. You get a little bit arrogant in your 20s when you just start, you kind of know you invested in your career, you think you know, and now you get on the big sets and you're like, they're not doing it right. They should be doing it this way. And you know, they, they should know better and they should, and we shouldn't, this is all this stuff but they don't have the 20 years of like, no, that's why we did that. That's why the garbage is there. That's why this card is there. That's why these people need to go in first. That's why they're located first to set all these things. Part of it is just that 20s arrogance. 20, you're, when you're in your 20s, that it's actually part of your, your DNA, part of your cells. 
So it's because you're starting off in life and your body gives you that extra boost to go out there and fucking blaze trails. So it's not like it's, um, it's a bad thing. It's just something to just kind of be like, oh yeah, there's my 20s arrogance. When I am so thinking I know all the answers and so like, so like kind of, yeah, just thinking I know all the answers. It's a very low level of learning, which brings me to the next topic that I plan to talk to you about with, which was this production assistant. Oh my God, this one I talked about last week, he was back again. And this is the one that I just gave you the example of. He, 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 he learns people's names and then he overuses their names like around every corner. Hey, Janet. Hey, Janet. Hey, Jen. Hey, Tamara. Hey, and it's just like all day long. Kristen, he walks by me. Janet, Janet. Trying to make such connection is too fucking much. Don't repeat my name all the day long. Every time you pass me, don't make eye contact and try to make this like connection every single fucking time. It's tiring. You're taking energy from me. It's like I'm starting to want to avoid you. Okay, so I'm talking to him here, but I, I just want you to understand the, the, uh, the whole thing here. And I know you won't do it, but just to know this, all these little points. And so... Yeah, that was that was him. Too much, too much is the what I would say about this guy. Yet he was everywhere. Like you go on the set, he's right next to the AD. He's when I see I say everywhere, he is in it. He's on it. That's good. You know, he's he's noticing what's going on. He's calling out the set. He wasn't having conversations when we were rolling. He wasn't caught talking while we're rolling. He looks good. He has everything on him. He's alert and he's positive. He is going to have a really hard time in this business if he doesn't change. And let me tell you why. It's that 20s thing I'm talking about. (laughs) He is, he wants to be successful so bad. He wants to be successful so bad. So all of his mind is all on like, how does it work here? What's going on? Who knows who? How is this all working? How can I be successful? It's like, how can I be successful? How can I be? And so every conversation is about his interpretation of what's going on on set and how to be successful. And so for instance, at lunchtime, I noticed he, well, he was sitting at the table where with, with Kristen, one of my friends who's a script supervisor who I've known for 20 years. So the first thing that, so I sit down, I'm like, oh no, he's sitting here. Okay, well, I want to sit with her, so I'm going to sit there. So I sit down. And at this point, I'm already kind of pushing him away from me because I I just don't want him to get more attached to me. And the first thing he's like, hey, wants to high five. I'm like, no touching. And he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) And then he wants to fist bump. I'm like, no touching. I'm just like, I'm totally like repelling this guy all the time. Cause he's like, Oh, th- I didn't even tell you this. Okay. So after the first shoot, after he's like, Janet, 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 guess what he does? He texts me and he texts Tamara. Hey, it was so great meeting you. You're the nicest person ever. I'm just like, this is not appropriate. Don't be fucking texting me. So don't try so hard. It's not appropriate. You know, it's like, I I just barely met him. He's a production assistant. Why is he texting the sound mixer? He's probably texting everybody in the whole crew and everybody in the crew 
is going to say, oh, nice to meet you. Thanks. Have a great day. They're all going to respond in a nice, pleasant way. But then they're going to go like, why is he fucking texting me? Jeez. They're all going to do that. Because it's like, why? Because texting is like you're, you're taking people's energy, you know? Not that you're taking their energy, but um, when it's not appropriate, it's like you're trying for something. It's like there's always a reason behind it. And I'm like, why is he fucking texting me? Because he wants me to refer him because he's so ambitious. I get it. But for him, it's like, of course I would do that. And it reminds me of myself too, because I was just like grasping at straws. And that's the value of this program, by the way, is to just understand that although it feels like this is what I should do, not always, because when you're trying so hard, trying too hard, you, you, it's because you feel like you're coming from a disadvantage and that you have to do that and that you should do that. And that's a way that it's gonna work. And it's so funny because he wants success so bad, but what he's doing is pushing away success. He wants connection so bad, but what his behavior is, is so desperate and so annoying and over the top that these connections are just like repelled. So I sit down at this table and, um, uh, one of the first things he does, you know, we all start talking and he, and he totally dominates the conversation. He's just talking about all this bullshit stuff, just like whatever it is, he's just talk, 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 which you should be quiet. Just be quiet and listen. You know, I, you should not, as a production assistant, have the whole table have to be listening to you. That's what he, that's what he did the day before on this last week and this time too. So he's like talking, talking. And then he goes, he goes, oh, so you all came up together and see it seems like such an annoying it's it, to me it's it's annoying it's annoying no it, it may not this may sound weird to you because you weren't there and you don't know this guy and everything but it's like he's saying oh so you all m came up together and now i know he wants to start talking about how it all works and how people connect and how you know he wants w same thing you guys want but it's like, we're not interested in talking about that. We're sitting down to chat with amongst ourselves and to catch up. And we're not interested in having this big conversation about how we all came up together. We don't care about that. that has, that's his interest, not ours, but he's forcing us down that road. Does that make sense? Okay, that's good, good, yes. So that's one thing. You're, he's coming so much from his perspective of what he wants to talk about. And so then I stop talking to him and her because he's totally like, well, talking to her. And I talk to my, my boom operator who I'm sitting at the end of the table with and I'm kind of just listening to him talk her ear off. And then, uh, so she is talking to him. <laughs> I'm like talking to Mike. I'm like, oh my God, I feel so bad for her. But maybe, but then she seemed like she was enjoying it. So I'm like, well, maybe she's enjoying it. Maybe she's, this is a really great conversation. I hope so. Because I don't know just my interpretation of what's going on in my head anyway so then um kind of then the conversation kind of ends and he leaves and she's like oh my god what is it with that guy holy shit she's like i couldn't get away from i couldn't get a word in edgewise well he asks me how to be successful he asks me what are the keys to be successful and then i try to tell him and then he takes all of my points and he negates all of them he like goes on what he thinks. She's like, so why did he even ask me? And I'm just like, exactly. That's, that is exactly what he does. He um, 
just wants to, I don't know, impart his knowledge, something like that. Then the last part of the conversation with him was like, yeah, these directors, there's good directors out there and there's directors that shouldn't be directing. And everybody knows that they shouldn't be directing. You know who I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about, right? Trying to get agreement because he wants to think that he should be directing and that he's got the vision and that he should be doing it and other people that are not good that are getting these opportunities shouldn't be having these. And we're trying to get agreement with us. I'm not going to fucking agree with that. I say, hey, what it is, is you have the impression, your thoughts are thinking that this person, and he wasn't talking about our director on this one. He's just, I'm just saying you're thinking that. It doesn't mean that the whole world is thinking that. In fact, from your limited viewpoint, that's what you think. But that's just, that's just your viewpoint. It's your opinion. It's not the world. And he, and then he tried to, to say, no, 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 everybody would agree. I'm like, no, no, it's always, they might say they agree, but it's always your viewpoint. And he goes, wow, I think that I need to learn something from you. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to fucking teach him. <laughs> I'm not telling him about friends and film. He's not coming in here. He's like, you've got something to teach me. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh guys so I got something to teach you from him I'm like that's what I'm thinking like the problem is is that he sucks energy he's distracting like he doesn't he's not like coming along on this shoot and being like a pleasant uh addition to it it's like every conversation is like he wants something he's sucking he's he's trying to relate he's trying to take well, now what if you're working with somebody like that? That's probably more the scenario for you guys. Um, and um, I think it's kind of rare that they're that fucking bad. Um, but you just let him be him. Don't talk about him. It's always going to boil down to how do you want to think about this person when you're working with them? What will happen is we can just be like, this guy's fucking crazy. All right, now if you think that, then that's how you're gonna see everything. He's crazy, he's so arrogant, uh, I don't like him. But when you have to work with him, now you, you need to, to change your thinking about him. And uh, it would be something like, um, although he's not my cup of tea, uh, we're a great team. He can, I can work with this guy. Might not be my cup of tea, but he does a lot of good work. And I can work with him because I can work with anybody. And that will allow you to work with him. And to probably end up freaking loving you because you treat him like, you know, you give him that validation that he do so desperately wants, that connection. He does. Not a bad guy, just such an energy vampire, like you said, <laughs> Lil. <laughs> the film industry, is it forgiving? Well, depends, I mean. If he wasn't such a good PA, he'd be gone. But he he's pretty good, I think, my impression. A every time I hear his, his voice, I didn't hear anybody else's voice locking up that set. I heard his voice all the time, on it, every single time. You know, what do you need? I just saw him all day long. That's somebody that's pretty much on it, you know? You'll work with the same people for 
many shoots, shoot after shoot after shoot. It's called being on a run with them. You go, you're on a run with the same production company, the same director, the same people. You might be on a run with the same people for shoot after shoot, and then you never know. Maybe the producer goes to shoot in South Africa now, or the director now goes back to shoot in Sweden or something like that, and then you don't see them for a year. So all of a sudden, the run stops. This is why you need multiple connections. So it's called being on a run. So it's like they have a shoot, the next, then they get something else in. It's always the producer. The director is getting the jobs, right? The director is the one that's getting the jobs. And the producer is um, usually working with that director pretty consistently. Depends. It depends. Like TV, they have different directors for different TV shows. So they bring in different directors to have different f kind of like flavors of the directing on the shows. And that's very typical in TV. Feature films is one director typically. Uh, commercials is usually one director, but I just worked last week and this week with two directors and they work together very well. So it can be like that, but you get on a run with them and then it, it, it can even be like we're family and that's starting to feel like this with these two directors. I've actually worked with them like about for 10 years, but they were always working with somebody else also. So it was like sporadic, like maybe once a year, but now um, I'm not sure what happened and you won't know all of a sudden you're just getting called every single job. So you see them, like I see them like twice a month now, like every other week. So I'm on a run with them and it's starting to feel like family with them. So like a month ago, we were, I was on a shoot um, down in this hangar. It was like two and a half hours from my house driving down there, which, you know, sometimes you're gonna have shoots that are, you drive as far. It was out of the zone because there was a zone in LA, which, inside the zone, which my house right now is actually right, it's outside the zone, just slightly outside the zone, which is why we don't do film shoots here very much because it costs more money when you go out of the zone. So they really are not gonna go out of the zone too much. But when you go out of the zone, then they gotta pay every people from the time, from the edge of the zone to the location, as well as um, they have to pay mileage. So everything gets amped up. And for DGA, it's also like double time. It's like so much more money. So they really don't like to go out of the zone. Anyway, this, this location was that far. We were shooting with these two directors that I'm on a run with. And it was the afternoon of the, the that afternoon, of, it was a three day shoot. The second day, we were shooting stuff like crazy and they were like making up stuff and bringing and we were like running our ass off everybody was but i love these guys so i'm ha i'm not like shit this sucks i'm more like, I'm like okay this is the way these guys work ends up that that we shot most of the dialogue or all the dialogue on the second day so then we break for lunch and then i get a text from the production supervisor hey janet um we shot everything that we needed um today so we don't need you tomorrow and um, I'm like, oh, okay, well, Tamara's not going to be happy. You know, Tamara's my boom operator for the last 20 years. And um, I'm like, and I'm not actually so happy either because I'm going to, that's like, you know, $2,500 that I would, will not be making that next day. And they cancel me at lunchtime, which they can do. They can do that in a union shoot. After lunch, then, and it's like less than 24 hours, then they're required to pay you. Union rules. But if they give you enough, if it's before lunchtime, less than 24 hours, then they can cancel you. So she's like, yeah, so it's, it's with, 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 we are within our time frame. She texted me, we're within our time frame, and uh, we don't need you guys tomorrow. So just wanted to let you know you're released for tomorrow. We don't have any dialogue tomorrow. And I'm like, hmm. And I'm like, shit. 
So I tell Tamara, I'm like, yeah. Now, this is one of those moments, and this is good. F again, this is why I teach you guys this stuff, because it's, it's more important for you to know. It's like, do I say something? Do I not? Do I fight it? Do I not? If you fight it typically, or if you say, hey, that's not cool, then you create a problem and maybe create some bad feelings. It's very important in these moments that you handle this correctly. So I was, I told Tamara, she's like, oh, that's a bummer. I'm like, yeah, that's a bummer. They shot everything today, but I'm not going to say anything. And I actually forgot that I had turned down another shoot. You just forget. You get offered so many shoots. You're like, yeah, I did turn something down, but I didn't even think about it in that moment. And if I did, I would have said something to her at that moment. Hey, actually, I turned down work. We go to lunch. We finish shooting that afternoon. And then I talked to Edie, who had her wedding here. Okay. She's a script supervisor um, on this shoot. And um, she's like, Janet, Janet, Janet. She's like, I heard that you're not working tomorrow. She's like, you know, we're like family here. You're like family. You know, the producer, Jay, he's, he's so cool. She's like, it, it, they, you really should get paid for tomorrow. She's like, why don't you go talk to Jay and just ask him if there's any way that you can get paid for tomorrow. So we wrapped. Jay was still there. He's like, hey, thank you so much. I'm so sorry about tomorrow. I'm like, well, actually, can we talk about that really quick? I'm like, is there any way that we could get just paid, that we could get paid for labor? Because, you know, we both had blocked off that day. It was a three-day shoot. We're told it's a three-day shoot. It's two days. We got it done. Understand, understand. I know you don't have to, but is there any way that we could just get paid for labor to, for tomorrow? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Okay, yeah, no problem. I'll let Susan know, no problem. Yeah, sounds good, okay. And you know, it was okay, we got paid. I didn't get paid for gear, that's fine. So, relationships. And notice how you start any uncomfortable conversation is, is there any way that? Because you don't wanna say, hey, could you do this? Or could we do this? By the way, we don't say you, we say we also. Hey, we, you know. Well, I think that we could run into a problem with this, or maybe we want to do that. We do use the word we instead of you. Because if it's you, if you're talking to a director and like, well, what do you want? Then they're like, oh, uh, they'll answer it. But they're going to know that you have a little bit less savvy situation going on in your brain. If you're like, hey, what do you want to do? What, what do you think? You know? It's more like, hey, what do we want to do? Because <laughs> we're part of the team, right? Okay. These are tiny little things, but they are huge things. Because when you're starting in the business, what's making people give you opportunities is your get it factor. How you are coming across to them, what you say, how you say it, your vibe. Your ability to breathe and speak and make sense and get out of your head and be with people. Your ability to solve problems. Your ability to let your freak flag fly. But it's true. It's true. And people want to know your personality. You're going to get hired on your personality. So be who you are. You're, you're just going to want to be focusing on outward, other people. Not like, oh, I need to be who I am so everybody knows who I am. It's going to be like, that's going to come through, but just keep putting your focus on other people and loving other people and being interested in other people and learning and listening. 
and then your let your freak fly fly while you do all that. <laughs> That's kind of like the magic formula. So yeah, you don't want to be all around. This is who I am. Do you love me? Or do you not love me? I love to be there. so you're in your head. Instead, it's just always about other people. You cannot go wrong by being fascinated and encouraging and really loving other people. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a moment, could you please leave me a review? I would love that. And make sure you head over to friendsandfilm.com join and sign up for my free mini course on what you need to know to find opportunities and start making film and acting work come to you. I'll see you next week.